Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt and her guest. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galt. And today, we talk about reprogramming the matrix with video game maker, venture capitalist entrepreneur, and university professor, author, Dr. Wiz Wan Virk. Now, Rizwan, welcome to Merkaba Chakras. You like to be called Riz, right? Yeah, Riz is fine. Okay, I'm going to call you Riz. Oh, thank you for accepting my invitation. I know you got really, really busy, so I'm I'm just always so delighted. Um, But let's get into some really interesting topics um, that's really near and dear for me in advanced Buddhism and folklore that is also coming into your work in terms of the video game space and then coming from that that background. So I, I definitely wanted to get that perspective of how a video game maker came into metaphysics and consciousness and how metaphysics and consciousness is applying in video games. Um, so can you tell us your story for how you even got into this work in the first place, kind of give people some background on, on you? Yeah, sure. So just as background, you know, my uh, undergraduate education was in computer science and I was in the startup world. And so we built software for various enterprise software companies. And uh, then I got into video game development and we built uh, the number one game in the iTunes app store uh, a while ago now. It's been almost 10 years. Uh, And then we sold that to a big Japanese company. And then I became an investor and started working with with other video game companies. I ran a program at MIT for startups that were doing video games. And it was really when I was thinking about the technology uh, that is used for interaction and and to make video games interactive, uh, that I really started to get pulled into this rabbit hole of, of the simulation theory of the matrix of the idea that we may be living inside a computer simulation. And so, you know, one day I was at a company that I I was an advisor to and an investor in, and they had a a VR headset. So I put on the VR headset and this was almost five years ago now, uh, perhaps even a little longer than that. And there was a ping pong game, you know, table tennis game. And so I started playing virtual table tennis and it felt so real. And, And then not so much because the graphics were great. They weren't great, but the responsiveness was really good. So the physics, it felt just like, you know, if I got my hand in the right spot, I was actually hitting the ball. And if I didn't, then I would miss. And so much so that by the end of the game, uh, my brain forgot for a moment that I was in a virtual reality headset. And I started to put 
you know, the uh, paddle down on the table. And then I tried to lean against the table, but of course there was no table. <laughs> so the controller fell to the floor. And then I, I realized that we're on a track to being able to build highly immersive uh, virtual simulations that would be able to fool our brain and that would be indistinguishable from virtual reality. So I began to think about, you know, how many years will it take us for this virtual reality technology to get better and better to the point where we could basically build something like the matrix where you would not know that you were inside a computer simulation. And I call that the simulation point. Uh, and so, so that's kind of what got me started in exploring the idea and writing the book. But of course, I had also been, you know, a long time meditator and had done different types of yogic exercises. And I, you know, it was kind of a parallel life to my day-to-day -day life. In fact, my first book was called Zen Entrepreneurship, which was about learning about meditation while I was trying to succeed at a company and realizing that those two are, are strangely connected, not, not in the easy ways, which is, hey, do this and you'll be more successful, but in more complicated karmic ways. Um, and so I had, I had this kind of parallel life where I was into these paranormal topics. I had, had done some lucid dreaming uh, and other experiences in that. And so simulation theory turns out was one way to combine my day job of working with video games. And now I'm in academia where I work with lots of scientists and professors, social scientists, uh, as well as people that are in the more uh, spiritual or religious fields. Turns out I can talk to all of them with this metaphor of being in something like the matrix, going back to the ancient idea of Maya, right? Which of course you're uh, your listeners will know, and uh, the Leela in, in Hindu traditions of the, of the great play of the gods. And uh, turns out, you know, that, 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 that model works. So it's a way, mm -hmm. it's both a metaphor uh, and a way of actually engaging in, 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 in all of these discussions. You know, you'd be surprised, but there's a lot of gamers that subscribe to Macabre Chakras. Oh really? Oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll know when I use terms like NPC. Uh huh. They'll know, they'll know what I'm talking about, right? They know <laughs> avatars. They know NPCs. They know you know all the the, the yeah. um, most of the um, people who listen because what you see on YouTube, the hundred right now it's 190 thousand subscribers on YouTube. Every single time, um, there's I, I would go through and I would just kind of scan, be like, oh, where are they coming from? Many of them come from India, Asia. Um, Russia and of course the rest of the world but that's where the majority of them are um, but then I would look at their names and, and it's a gamer this gamer that gamer 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 <laughs> so oh, that's great well lots of gamers lots of youtubers as well but that yeah, is only a great. fraction of the audience because this podcast is mostly audio because in third world countries video yeah. streaming is expensive so they most listen to audio and it's on over um I think the last count, 170 different podcast directories and RSS sites, and it's continued to grow as well. So honestly, I have absolutely, when people ask me, what's the viewership? I said, I don't honestly know. I don't. <laughs> I'm not going to go to yeah. 200, 300, 400 different random sites, gamer sites, whatever rabbit hole it's, it's being RSS on to go and find the analytics. I honestly do not know. But um, but I do know there's a lot of gamers, so that's why I think this like you are going to be one of the most loved um, professors in this field. So let me ask you this: in your perspective, what is simulation theory? Can you give us a, a quick synopsis? Yeah, absolutely. And, and just uh, on the gamer front, 
you know, I have many uh, like adults who buy my book and they say, oh, my teenager took it to read before I could read it <laughs> because, you know, the book is about the idea that we live inside a video game mm -hmm. and many of the teenagers are gamers. Uh, but yeah, so simulation theory, as I define it, is basically uh, it's an emerging field that says that we are living inside a high resolution, fully immersive video game like reality and that what we see we think it's physical, but it's not. It's actually virtual. It's based on bits of information, and it's being generated for us as we play the game. And so there are different variations of simulation theory that are out there, but you know they all kind of build on this general idea. And so uh, there's the NPC version and the RPG version. Now, the NPC version is the non-player character. Uh, for mm -hmm. those who aren't gamers, it means the characters inside the video game that aren't you, right? You aren't playing it. It's the guy at the bar. It's the orcs that you're fighting or the stormtroopers that you're shooting or whoever it happens to be. Uh, and in the, in the NPC version, everyone is basically AI uh, that is run by the computer system, all of mm -hmm. the logic and everything. Uh, now the AIs in today's games, we don't think of them as conscious, but some people believe we'll reach the the... The Turing test, which is the idea that an AI has reached the point where you would talk to it and you couldn't tell if it was a person or if it was an artificial intelligence. And we're not there yet, but we're getting closer. You may have heard of Chat GPT, which came out recently, which has pretty impressive results just from a text text generation perspective. Uh, and so mm -hmm. that's the NPC version. Uh, then there's the RPG version, as I like to call it, which is the role playing game, uh, which says that we are actually inside a massively multiplayer online role-playing game, right? Mm -hmm. And that each of us is actually, you know, a player that exists outside of the simulation. And we have on something like a headset or a brain-computer interface, which is something that links into the, the mind, into the brain, uh, mm -hmm. as in the Matrix, right? In the Matrix, Neo and Morpheus, they were all in these pods and they had this LinkedIn. Now, it doesn't have to be that kind of a specific link. The idea is that there's a part of us that's outside mm -hmm. and we're all playing roles and we're cooperating in some way. So when when I do something, you see it, and there may be some NPCs, et cetera. So these are not mutually exclusive, right? In World of Warcraft, you can have players, PCs, player characters, and NPCs, non-player mm -hmm. characters as well. You can have them together. But you can see where the RPG idea that we are not our avatar. We are not, right? The, the original meaning of the term avatar was to descend, right? Mm -hmm. And so it started to be used in video games in the 1980s by a couple guys. I met them actually a few years ago at Luke. They were at Lucasfilm, you know, the Star Wars company, and they were making games and they created a game called Habitat. And they were looking for something to call the little characters that represented you across the screen. And so they went back to the ancient Hindu term uh, to mm -hmm. descend. And, and it's as if you are descending from this physical world into the computer. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, that, that's where that term actually, uh, actually comes from. Right. Uh, but, but so you can see when in the religious perspective, you know, there being a soul that exists outside of the physical body, that RPG version tends to fit pretty well. And for all the materialist atheists, they tend to go towards the, uh, the NPC version. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I do, I do quantum hypnosis, and I, I, um, I regress people all, all over the world for whatever inter interest that they're interested in, in, uh, in uncovering in terms of their pre-life plan. And what I found, and what many other academic contact with a lot of quantum hypnosis people all over the world as well, and we share notes. And what I found is, and what we many of us have found is, 
many people who have reincarnated in this time who are programmers and they work in IT um, and or they're in medicine, like advanced medicine, like energy medicine, et cetera, in that kind of engineering, many of them were monks in, oh. and yogis in previous lifetimes. And so now they're applying that into the space. And so I just find that very fascinating that like, because that you naturally gravitated to the metaphysics and to the esoteric consciousness um, already. And then that was already naturally comfortable for your interests you. And then you brought it into video game making, programming, et cetera. So you fit right in line with a legion of programmers. Now, the question is, did we have enough programmers reincarnate at this time with wisdom to know what to do and what not to create? That's the question that Buddhists um, always ask about, because we have these conversations about reincarnation, why people do do this why they pick that etc cetera, etc cetera. but there's a huge influx of them and that's the question yeah is there well, that's very interesting. Is them? yeah yeah you're do, you're, do you're a type you're a typical type <laughs> have 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 that wisdom it depends right well I there's a difference no, between but... wisdom and intelligence do you know the difference right. yeah well you see i see it a lot in the programming world where there's a lot of intelligence but they don't necessarily have uh, you know either wisdom or spiritual wisdom and mm-hmm. so you know i i like to say well if you think about it think about why you would choose to play a video game right people say well why would i be in a simulation in the first place and i said well there's two possible reasons the first is you know if you're running a simulation you're running to see what would happen mm-hmm. right a simulation of the weather or a simulation of a pandemic or, or etc uh, or of uh, you know a fruit fly population. That's that. Those are what people run computer simulations for, and they mm-hmm. want to know what will happen, and then they want to change the variables and see what might happen if they change the variables. So that's one area we can talk about that later. But the the reason why we play video games, why is that? It's to have experiences mm-hmm. that we can't have outside the game, right? I mean, I can't in this quote unquote physical reality. I can't hop on a dragon and fly around, but I could do that inside a video game. Similarly, in this this uh, physical world, there are things we can do that perhaps we can't experience, you know, outside of, of that game. And so we, we create these roles for ourselves. And sometimes we look to balance and say, okay, we're, we've been extremely strong in this area mm-hmm. <laughs> in the past life. Now let's choose a different kind of life where I can try to apply those skills. Yeah. Uh, and I think that makes sense because Sometimes people get, you know, really spiritual and blissed out, but they, you know, they tend not to have the logical. The application, the application is, is what makes the difference. Like, you yeah. know, that you, you, you got the book smart, you've done the studying. Right. Now it's the application and, and the application will either let, let the, the, the let you know if you're still a student or if you are a teacher. Right. And and the universe typically when they when you think you're ready for something, it will it will test you. It will put a situation and it will test you on that. And then and then that will make a break out. And I've seen this happen the last couple of years. The last couple of years, like where where people are speaking of that of of their philosophy and, and integrity and courage and blah 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 blah. And then 
when stuff hits the fan and they're put in a position to be integrous, they fail. So there's a so right. so so there are very few teachers, lots of students posing as teachers. So um yeah. and, so and, and this is what we this is this is what in Buddhism when we train and we teach and people study and they study and a lot of teachers love learning. They love learning, love to learn and they love to deck as a as a student and they'll they'll get up as a teacher if they have to. But oftentimes they prefer the student rule because you know it's less you're, you're a professor. It's it's it, it's more kind of a sit back and enjoy. You kind of immerse yourself into it. But right. um, but the thing is, is that when you teach, you know from first personal experience, and when you pass that that lesson, the universe will test you, and you pass that lesson hypothetically, your energy field will increase in its resonance. You'll get a higher energy field, a stronger uh, Merkaba or mandala, okay? Uh, David R. Hawkins of the Map of Consciousness did a lifetime of research on people's energy fields to know that different people have different energy fields. And the more, the, the higher the energy field, the higher closer to um, enlightenment, ascension, whatever you want to call it, and, and on and on, all the way up to infinity. But um, but this is how this is how we this is how we know when when we're we're trying to pick out the llamas or we're trying to pick out the person who's going to you know um, kind of lead different things in temple and stuff is we'll test them and um, and and that's when we know well still student go back and learn some more because you don't know how to apply or not a student we'll put them in the situations so um, in terms of situations in real life. Have you yourself, um, being a seeker of divine spiritual knowledge about the universe, have you yourself had personal experiences of glitches or warps in and out of reality where you've seen the program? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I tell us about it. What is it? What is the glitches experience? in the matrix? Is in, in from your experience? Ways. Okay. Yeah, so my personal experience is more about uh, synchronicity. Right, mm -hmm. which is the the idea of a meaningful coincidence when you're thinking about something and then there's something physical in the world that corresponds to it. Mm -hmm. but it's what Jung called an a causal connection, right? You can't necessarily. And then you know my experiences have been with uh, lucid dreaming and out of body experiences where you can kind of look around and you're outside of the physical body and you can see things that might happen and, and other you know, instances of things that have happened within the dream state. So, you know, I studied shamanic dreaming okay. for a while. And so, you know, that's where they tend to occur for, for me. So, you know, like, for example, I mean, this is one that happened a few years ago, uh, where I had a dream, I, I was visiting my parents who were living in Michigan, and I was sleeping on a couch downstairs. It was a pretty big house. And it was like 6am. I think I had stayed up all night or something. <laughs> I just fell asleep on the couch. And I ended up having this dream. And I saw my uncle. Mm -hmm. And I said, Uncle, what are you doing here? We have a term in India and Pakistan called Chacha, which means your your dad's younger brother. And I said, Chacha, what are you doing here? You died. And he had died like, you know, earlier, like many mm -hmm. years earlier. And, you know, and so I was surprised to see him because he's not somebody I dream about often, right? We have like the little karmic dreams and then we have kind of these clearer dreams where we're mm -hmm. perceiving other things around us. And this was definitely a clearer dream. And he just looked at me and said, and he, he looked over and he said, well, 
look at this. And what he had was it looked like a sarcophagus, like a big sarcophagus of, of kind of a wide person. And there was a, something wrong with the eye. And then, you know, he, he like took it and went away. And then I woke up and I thought, what the, what the heck was that all about? Mm-hmm. And then I, I found out that that morning, my parents who are upstairs, you know, in the bedroom, there's no way I could have heard them. They got a call from Pakistan mm. where that uncle's wife, who was this kind of big portly woman who had like one eye where it was like very white, <laughs> she mm-hmm. passed away that exact morning. Right? Mm. And, and so, you know, it was my personal experiences have been more like this, where they show you that, okay, there's a lot more going on here uh then you know we give we can give credit for and so yeah. you know you have different different forms of deja vu and even hitting on what you talked about earlier which is the universe tests us in different ways and i i like to call those quests and achievements right? oh yeah 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 so within video games you have to accept a quest right sometimes they get presented mm-hmm. to you and then if you accept the quest you know you may fail you may do it you may get you may get some achievements and so sometimes you know like like a few years ago i had I had sold my last video game company mm-hmm. and I was thinking, huh, it might be nice to go back to MIT, which where I went to my undergrad to the media lab. And maybe I, there's something here I could do. And I kind of looked online. I didn't find anything really interesting, but I had that strong intuition. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was uh, uh, something that came through. I call that a clue in our treasure hunt, right. As we look for quests, mm-hmm. uh, just like Indiana Jones, you know, who, who had to go find the Ark of the Covenant, he didn't get the map. He had to follow mm-hmm. one clue and that's all he could see at that time. And then he had to follow the next clue and then he had to follow the next clue. And so this, for me, this was a clue. And that's kind of what Synchronicity is kind of like that quest, you know, because you, you follow, yeah, yeah, you follow, and, and, it leads you to another and another and it's all like it, happenstantial, but it all it, like fits exactly. within a whole journey. Yeah. Within a whole pattern. And so in fact, my uh-huh. second book was called Treasure Hunt, Follow Your Inner Clues to True Success. And it was about using synchronicity in the business world. And so in this case, I had that intuition. And then just a, look, a few weeks later, an MIT professor reached out to me and said, hey, I'm coming to Silicon Valley. I teach video game classes. We'd like to meet with you. And then he invited me to come to MIT. And then I ended up creating this startup accelerator, you know, called Play Labs at MIT. But it was all from this synchronicity of internal clues and external events. And uh, so, so I think, you know, that is a type of glitch in the matrix. And, you know, I talked with this gentleman named Jacques Vallée. Do you know him? He's uh, hmm. He was a UFO researcher. Uh, he was in Project Blue Book back in the 60s, all the way back to the 60s. He's much older now. And if you ever saw Close Encounters of Third Kind uh, from Steven Spielberg, uh, Jacques was the French researcher that that, that character was based on him, basically. <laughs> so uh, if you remember, there was a, a French scientist who was mm-hmm. investigating UFOs, was one of the main characters. And so, you know, he he's also a computer scientist. And he liked to say that synchronicity is just a, an organization of information differently. Mm-hmm. We think this is not related to that. But if you could see the associations in the database, the database would link the two together. So there's kind of an information technology explanation. Yeah. See, you know, when when you talk about the video, when you talk about the video game perspective, and when I talk about the 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 Buddhism and you know esoteric perspective, we're talking the same language, but it's just a different perspective that people can understand. But if you can cross your mind across both realms, you're like, oh yeah, the one backs up the other, one supports the other, they back up and they support each other. And so when you have information that backs up and supports supports each other in terms of application hence making it a video game because it works in the video game to make the video game work then there's truth 
in the concept that has been studied um, from, you know, ancient advanced Buddhism, Hinduism, et cetera. So there's truth in that because if there's no truth in that, you couldn't apply those principles in making video games and actually it works. So like, for example, like if you, um, I, I listened to your, your concept that like, if you have one person in a forest, instead of focusing and creating the whole forest for for one person you may like narrow it down to a specific little area instead of showing the whole thing because it takes takes so much bandwidth that's the same way that buddhists see reality is to try to have you focus instead of taking in the whole thing because what what happens if you take in the whole realm it could short your system it's like it's too much bandwidth your 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 nervous system your human body can only handle so much energy and uh, Dr. David R. David R. Hawkins said this in the map of consciousness. We can only so far go up to a thousand in terms of level of consciousness, our energy field, because that's how much the body can handle. Otherwise, we would literally short ourselves and we would um, have health issues, basically not survive. But um, but as the frequency of the reality changes to higher and higher, our nervous system is changing so they can handle more energy in the body for the more advanced human that is much more conscious and have a higher energy field. Um, kind of like a, like a bigger battery. Um, so it can hold more information. So it's the same exact concepts in a video game where when you're creating video game environments, you're going to not overload the game with, all this other information that's not necessary. Right. Yeah. Can you explain that? Yeah. So, you know, I call that conditional rendering. So if you think back to like when I was a kid and we played video games like Mm Pac-Man and Space Invaders, and those were really simple games, right? They were 2D. They weren't. And if you had asked anybody back then, can you create a fully 3D world Mm -hmm. like Fortnite? Or like World of Warcraft, or like you know any of these three D games, The Witcher, etc. The answer would be no. There's just too many pixels to keep track of, and we don't have enough bandwidth either over the network, but also the processing power. And so, what happened between then and now is we discovered optimization techniques, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you remember the game Doom, which came out mm-hmm. in the '90s, which was a first per- the first first person shooter or one of the first right and it looked like you were actually walking through the hallway and you could turn to the left or to the right and so what you know they came up with an optimization technique which was only show that which your character can see Mm -hmm. right and so instead of having to render all the pixels of the entire world you know we render only that's within the point of view of that character Mm -hmm. and so that limits the amount of data that needs to come to your computer or to your phone and then it also limits what you have to render because there's no way you could do it all and so the golden rule is render only that which can be observed and turns out within quantum mechanics you know there's this big mystery right of uh, the quantum indeterminacy or the observer effect which says that you know if no one is there to observe or record an event, you know, it's it's in a state of superposition. It's like Schrodinger's mm-hmm. cat. The cat is alive and dead, as mm-hmm. opposed to being one of those in the box. Now, common sense says we don't know if it's alive or dead, but it has to be one of those. It can't be both, mm-hmm. right? And and when we look in, we'll find out which one it was. But quantum mechanics tells us that both of those states exist. So that's quantum superposition, mm-hmm. right? And when you look in the box, one of those is chosen, and they call that the collapse of the probability wave. But basically, the theory and the idea is that 
this is an optimization technique mm-hmm. so that it doesn't have to render everything. It just knows these are the possible states of everything. Yeah. And then it renders the one that you are observing. And then if you're next to me, I mean, think about it. Today, we're not actually talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Right? I am talking to a representation of you on my screen, which came in bits across the wire. And mm-hmm. you're doing the same on your computer. And so if we're talking to each other, we need to render more or less the same things. Yep. So that information in computer science, we call that caching, C-A-C-H-E, right? Where you can cache that, that those pixels so that they're there immediately for those two players to be mm-hmm. able to see without requiring lots and lots of processing, right? But I'm in Tempe, Arizona, but you're not here. So you don't need to see, you know, the Arizona State campus. Yep. Uh, it doesn't have to be rendered on your screen because you can't see it from, from you know, and I can't see it from where I am right now. Right, right. Yeah. Th- th- when it comes to the the sojourn or the journey or, you know, the quest that we're on, I always tell people focus on just focus on you and the thing that you're doing and not everything else so that you can you can have the best and highest experience in whatever you're focusing on at that time. And that's actually meditation. Meditation is just focusing and not thinking about anything else, just focusing on that state. So when you're doing something that you love and that you enjoy, t- everything is timeless. Time goes by really fast. Um, it And if you're in that state, uh, it's healthy. You know, there's a lot of benefits of meditation, but that's the same concept of meditation is just to focus and just put your best effort in what it is that you're doing. And because otherwise, if you if you have your minds on all these different things at the same time, you will short yourself. That's why you just you just get frustrated. You get anxiety. You you get a headache. You're shorting yourself. So just right. focus on the little things. Okay. So the other thing, the other thing I wanted to ask you because. I've had these experiences um, and I've been doing this my whole life uh, in terms of raising consciousness from my own, my own self. And I'm always learning new things. Like right now I'm taking a sixth sense pyrokinesis class. So we'll, maybe in a year I will have an episode with the instructor and show you guys my pyro skills about burning down the house. I have no clue. We'll see. I try out different things before I interview them. But, um, but from my own personal experience, um, I have seen the warps in and out of reality. So uh, a couple of years ago, I was at my husband's New Year's show and I was outside with a friend and it's at night, it's around 11 something. And within a blimp of a second, the neon sign behind it just went like really quickly, just warped out and warped in really quickly. Like you would, like you would see on TV. And then uh, she looked at me and I looked at her and I said, did you see that? She's like, did you, everything just, and I said, yeah. And then the, 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 the slide behind you did the same thing. And she was kind of the same thing, but with the people around us, it was some people were warping in and out and some people just stood there and it, it didn't make any difference, but other people were going in and out. And um, I'd also had seen um, in different experiences where I focused on something so much to the molecular level, like a, like a, a towel rack. And I would see the tower rack shape in the energy of the tower rack. I would see the energy of the tower rack. And I was afraid to put my hand in there because in case it gets stuck. <laughs> you know, right, I was, you don't want to get stuck. I was, yeah, I don't, I'm, like, I'm like, whoa, I'm really seeing. And this in, in advanced Buddhism, everything is energy. Everything has its own unique frequency. And that frequency is what holds the shape. So that tower rack has a tower rack frequency. And I was focused so much into the, the tower rack that I 
went down to the energetic level and saw its vibration holding that shape. So um, I've had these experiences, but the thing I wanted to ask, the reason why I bring this up, if you've had your own experiences of the actual simulation shorting on you or getting glitches or doing any warps in and out is because in that experience where reality warped in and out, many people warped in and out with reality. Some people didn't. So here's the question about NPCs. Okay. Were those people who didn't, were those the awakened people who are higher consciousness and everybody else who was part of the simulation, were they NPCs? I mean, what is your concept of people as NPCs and people as actual players? Well, you know, what, what I like to tell people, because sometimes people get carried away with this idea. Like, I remember a friend of mine said, you know, I think my husband's an NPC. And I said, well, <laughs> you know, that may or may not be the case, but it's always safest to assume that everybody is a player character, right? Uh -huh. well, then we will treat them with respect because how do we treat NPCs inside video games, right? There's a, there was a movie that came out last year called Free Guy. Right, if you remember, which was about an NPC, uh, Ryan Reynolds, I think, was playing the main character. And basically, the players would come in there and they would just beat up. It was like Grand Theft Auto. Mm -hmm. That was the game. Now, I say, I say, our game is not like Grand Theft Auto. At least for most of us, that's not the quest. Right? We get judged more on how we treat other people, which is a different kind of game with a different set of quests and a different way to score the game mm -hmm. uh, than others. And so, for that reason. It's always good to assume that the person that you're you're interacting with is another player character who is going through their own troubles, their own quests. They have their own achievements. And sometimes there are people put in our path that perhaps are NPCs, but they're not necessarily bad NPCs. They're mm -hmm. put there to help us. You know, there are many stories where uh, people, and one of the areas that I've studied is near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we can talk about the life review in a minute, but uh, there are stories within people who've had near-death experiences where they say, oh, there was this this poor person, you know, that was put in the street in front of me, and I ended up just ignoring them. But turns out that was an opportunity <laughs> for me to help someone, and that was a quest that I didn't achieve at that time. So I, mm. I, I didn't treat that person right because I wasn't thinking about it. So, so I think it's always safest to assume everybody's, you know, a player character. But very much in a simulation, the NPCs can go in and out, but so can the PCs, the player characters. Yeah. Because they may they may pull out. Or if you have someone who's passed away recently, I like to say, you know, they're, they just left the simulation. They can still see what's going on on their screen. It's mm -hmm. like that Rick and Morty. Have you ever seen the Rick and Morty episode? There's one uh, where they have a game called Roy, a, well, a life well lived. And mm -hmm. you put on a VR headset. Uh, and people can look up the clip online. It's on YouTube. Etc. And you basically play this guy Roy. You start off as a baby, and you go through this entire life, and you have a wife, and you get married, and 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 so Rick, I think, is it Rick or Morty? One of them, the younger guy, is playing the game, and you know he gets up to the point where he's an old guy, he's and he like trips and falls, uh, and he dies, and then mm -hmm. he, suddenly the game is over. It says game over. He takes off his headset. And he goes, "What's going on here?" Where's my wife? Where's my mm -hmm. kids? Yours always. And it turns out it was only 15 minutes had passed, you know, in the in the the, the world outside of the game. And he had made it up to, I don't know, 65 years old or whatever. That mm -hmm. was where he had gone. And so, you know, that that's I think a good model to 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 think of people, 
of you know going in and out. In terms yep. of actual glitches like that, I mean, I haven't had those kind of physical glitches, but recently oh, when I you do, hit to, me up, hit me up, send me your send me your uh, your experience yeah. when you do. Yeah, I, I recently I started uh, going to some spoon bending parties. Mm, oh, uh, okay. Where you, and so you do know, you have one? Example, do you have one? Yeah. So look at this. Yeah. Here's one of the spoons that I bent. Now it doesn't work exactly like in the Matrix. In the Matrix, you just Think about it. And that's called graduate level spoon bending. Yeah. Kindergarten spoon bending is when you actually hold it and you kind of try it, but it gets soft just for a period of time. Mm -hmm. And so based upon the intention and beliefs of all of these people in the room, and turns out this can be done much more easily in a group than it can be by yourself. Because the energy of the group. It goes into the physical matter, right? And so you Uh start to see the whole thing becomes very pliable. And then it stops. Like, I can't unbend this. But it, you know, I was able to bend it at the time. Have you uh, done it you know, since on your own, or uh, I've done it mostly at spoon bending parties. I've done a little bit on my own, but not quite this level. Okay, so where I've been able to bend it a bit, but not quite at the level that that you know I've seen uh, that I was able to do, and others were able to do. Send me the link of the um of the the camp that you 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 went and did that at. Yeah, it's in Sedona, Arizona. So uh, oh, okay, and and they're about to have it uh, online as well now uh, and so once once or twice i did it online as well so it's very <laughs> but it, i think it's more powerful in person when you get a group of people together yeah yeah well I've, i think that'll be fun I'm, i might have to reach out to the those people and get them on um an in- interview on that because i love Absolutely. to share people's <laughs> expenses um but so the, so the thing of the npcs and and this is this this goes into the the question like in buddhism we had this concept of bodhisattva and um, just having compassion and kindness for everybody because not because that's whatever the reasons are, you sh- you are kind to people regardless of they're players or NPCs, regardless if they're awakened or they're the yeah. lamb sleeping, regardless of whatever brought them into the experience, you were kind of compassionate to them because that is who you are. That's it, period. That's it. So, you know, whether you whether you apply kind of compassion at the time and you are able to do it at the time, let's say you're not in a hurry and you have to go pick somebody, whatever, if you're able to do it and that, and that's, that's your opportunity, you apply it because that is who you are, regardless if they have anything to return for you, regardless if they acknowledge you or say thank you or, or give you gratitude or anything they could, even if they don't have any thanks for for the gratitude um, and the grace that you gave them and they were kind of mean to you back it doesn't matter what their reaction is because that is who you are and that's one thing that is a basic fundamental that um, I observe in people is that not a lot of people really understand the true meaning of of gift giving because they always expect something back they always expect some kind of gesture or some kind of um, eternal uh, loyalty, or don't don't forget about me when you buy a gift. Try to get something equal to what I gave you. So, how yeah. many times have people done that when they're giving any kind of gift, any kind of gift? They always expect something back. So, therefore, it wasn't a gift. It was a it was a loan. Most right, people right. are loaning things to other people because they have the expectation back. They're not truly giving gifts. So that's and they're also attached lesson. to. The, they're also attached to the result, right? They're you attached to the result. You didn't give you me know. enough publicity. You didn't give me enough accolades. You didn't say right. that. I didn't feel that like they were thankful enough. You know right. that kind that kind of thing. But um, 
the treatment of people, regardless of their NPCs or players, that's a common conversation that people have. Because even in the video games, the, the NPCs can still hurt you. Right? <laughs> right. Yes. In fact, many of them, yeah, that's p- partly their purpose is to challenge you, right? In some cases, to yeah. see, see wh- wh- how you will respond. You how know? you will navigate. Because if it, if you never had any risk in the game, how much fun would it be? And how much growth would you have if you never had any risk? Yeah. Well, you know, the founder of video games uh, in, the, in the U.S. anyway was Nolan Bushnell, uh, who started Atari. And he had a phrase, and his phrase was, you know, to make a good game, you have to make it easy to play, but difficult to master. Ah. (laughs) And I think that's a pretty good phrase that applies to the game of life. Uh Because it's easy to play. I mean, you just get born and you're here, right? But it's very hard to master because there's so many things going on and so many different types of challenges. And, you know, and and I like to, again, linking the ancient traditions to, you know, modern technology, uh, if you think of karma, Right, which is a key part of within Hinduism and Buddhism in particular, you know, where does that live? And I like to say that karma is like a questing database that uh-huh. lives in the your cloud. old skill sets, your old skills. Yes, the <laughs> cloud. There, but more than that, every time you have an interaction where you've been attached to someone, or you've hurt them, or you've done something, uh, and even if it's just a mental connection, it gets put in the database and it's there. And you know, if you think of uh, uh, karma it becomes this ever expanding database and you've got to go through and handle all those quests one way or another even the uh, stuff that you unless, didn't overcome is still going to follow you in the next quest right it's still the there. next life so yeah that database has more than just this life's quest it has quests that you can pull on and when you come across certain people there's an opportunity for you to meet certain challenges and they whether they're npcs or pcs they may be the they may be the right person for you to kind of overcome that specific uh difficulty and then eventually if you can do it if you can give gifts without attachment as you say or you can do the selfless action you are no longer generating karma right you, mm-hmm. you, your your quest database is no longer getting bigger it starts to go down right and yeah and, yeah and so then you get into this idea of what is the nothingness at the end it's when you've got no none of these things left you have no reason to have to incarnate it anymore at that point that's right, right. a metaphor that i like to use yeah right so now we get to the topic of nirvana samsara and um the concept of of the universe the one mind the main lord buddha god whatever we want allah whatever we want to call it um nature or the universe, all these names for God. So, um, in let's let's compare some resources. So, I'm going to explain some concepts, and then I I would love your perspective in terms of the video game, and then of course I think you're you're, you're Islam, right? You're Muslim. Yeah. So I, I grew up in a Muslim tradition, and you know studied a bunch of other religions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I would love your perspective on that. So in 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 Buddhism. The concept is nirvana. So nirvana is a spiritual emptiness. They call it a spiritual emptiness because it's basically like a, like a blue screen on the computer. Now from that, and, and when you get to the part that you no longer need your ego to have your individual experience or your quest or and continue to have these different excursions in your soul, different sojourns, different vacations, um, et cetera, and you're kind of done with that, then you let that go. And then you basically absorb with your main self, which is the Lord. Because everybody is connected to the, the, 
the mainframe, which is the Lord's. Everybody's connected to, to that that essence. And so you just basically reimmerse this part of you into that. And then you're in that spiritual nirvana, which is like this blissful nothingness, spiritual emptiness, like a blue screen. Now, from that blue screen comes everything. So, you know, when you start putting the number, the ones and zeros, and you start making the program, all of a sudden you're creating reality and you're creating all these different games and, and so forth. So from the blue screen comes all the game. And that's what we call samsara. From nothingness comes everything, yeah. comes existence. And there's a lot in existence that you can choose to incarnate into for whatever your reasons are. Now, um, the thing is, is that the, que- the question is, what? What are we really like the spiritual emptiness in Nirvana? It's just it's like it's very mysterious because what what is it really? Because mm-hmm. what in the concept, we're just projecting out like like source God is projecting out into samsara. It's projecting out a mm-hmm. a fractal expression of itself yeah. to run a certain soldier in a, a certain life and then come back and bring what you experience and re-immerse into the all. So like, what is the the Hindu or um, I'm sorry, what is the Muslim perspective and the video game perspective of this concept of Nirvana and Samsara and our connection to source? Yeah. Well, you know, a way to think about it is in, in, in some of these religions, you know, Islam included, there's, uh, there's an emphasis on the creator, right? Uh, and uh, Allah is the term we use in Islam, and you have just God as the generic term that's used in the Abrahamic religions. Uh, and, uh, you know, that tends to tie very well to this idea that there's a video game that has been created. Now, one of the, the lines in the Quran is actually, uh, it actually says, we, we meaning God in this case, right? We have created this game for you as a pastime and a diversion, right? And that is what translates into the here and now. And then Uh there is the hereafter, whereas the true life is in the hereafter. And, you know, this concept is there in Christianity as well and and, and Judaism as well, this idea of the here and the hereafter. And Mm -hmm. so really... The, the samsara, the physical world, gets created as a sort of testing ground for ah. us. Uh, and, you know, this is where every religion has its own little uh, has its own little spin on the soul and how the soul incarnates. Right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the Greek traditions, the, uh, the soul would cross uh, Lethe, the river of forgetfulness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep, that's yep. what I couldn't remember, right? In the Buddhist traditions that there's something similar. In Chinese, there's Meng Po, the goddess of forgetfulness, and she brings mm-hmm. the tea of forgetfulness. And so, you know, all these different traditions. Uh, and then, of course, within, you know, there's the reincarnation side within Buddhism and Hinduism. And then even there's differences between the two, where in Hinduism, you have kind of an immortal soul. And in Buddhism, you're just really a bag of karma, right? uh, a bag of information. At least some Buddhist scholars say that. Uh, and, uh, you know, so that gets back to the nothingness. When it's all gone, there's nothing left. You're just part of whatever substrate was there before it. Yeah. Um, and and so, so I think from a video game perspective, you know, uh, we are all players. Now, if you look at metaphors, like uh, 
the metaphor of the dream is one that's been used for mm-hmm. a long time, right? Especially within Buddhism, right? Buddha means to awake, mm-hmm. right? In the first place, from you know, mm-hmm. sleeping, and then there's the whole to be a Buddha. Sleep. A Buddha is Sanskrit for um, one who is awake within Maya, yes. awake within the within illusion Maya, of right? Sansar. Yeah, so yeah, you're like kind of like Neo. Yeah, yeah, like Neo. Yeah, within Tibetan traditions, they have dream yoga where mm-hmm. you're learning lucid dreaming in order to be able to wake up when you're awake mm-hmm. <laughs> as well. And so that's a metaphor that was used earlier. The metaphor of the play, you know, uh, like a stage play or a mm-hmm. play, a game has been used. Uh, you know, Yogananda, who was one of the, the most famous immigrants from India to the U.S., a uh, hundred years ago, he came over and he used, he updated the metaphor to use new technology. And at yeah. the time, the new technology was movies, right? 1920s yeah. is when films. And he, and he he asked God, why are all these people suffering in World War One, which had just happened, right? Mm-hmm. And people were dying and he saw the newsreels. And, and he got, well, it's all made out of light. But just as in your film films, the actors aren't actually dying, but that is the part they're there to play. And so he started to use the metaphor of, okay, this is like a movie projector, Right, it's not real in, in in a sense, but while you're there, you have to sort of. It's real it. enough so you can learn the lesson, and so you can uh, level up your like a video game, exactly. level yourself up to the next yeah. level. Yeah. yeah. So I like to think if Yogananda were alive today, he would say, use an updated metaphor, and that is the metaphor of well, it's like a play or a movie with a script with different people, but you can make choices and you can mm-hmm. change what happens. And what does that sound like? An interactive video game, basically. Yeah, <laughs> right? or choose your own exactly. adventure. <laughs> choose your own adventure, exactly. So, so I think that's where it goes, you know. Um, yeah. And, and of course, there's different sects, like within Islam, there's the Sufis who tend to use terminology of, of love and the beloved and merging with God in that way, which a lot of mainstream Islam doesn't necessarily do, but the Sufis are the more mystical sect. Yeah, so well, in Buddhism, in Buddhism, we... we the, going to like like you get to a point okay here the basic concept is life is a sojourn sojourn means journey or quest yeah all right uh you choose it for whatever your reason some people like like smash and bang them up games other people like you know gardening games and simple games you know whatever so everybody (laughs) likes something different there's something for everybody and there's there's different characters etc you choose your sojourn or whatever and there's a whole group of people to help you consult on that um, so that you can achieve and there's a whole bunch of people helping you along the way so that you can achieve your mission so that you can um you have a good sojourn but then um you sojourn into samsara into reality like project yourself into samsara and then you have this experience and um as you have different lifetimes or have different experiences, you gain different skills. Uh, that's why some sometimes some things are natural for some people, like a baby that's right. two is playing Chopin or something, or just instantly knows how to play the violin so easily, and it, it becomes a pro- these proteges. They they had acquired these skills in the past, um, and so we just acquire skills. And we just keep leveling ourselves up, just like video game people. We're like addicted to playing this video game. The thing is, is that um, the the concept is it, to be awake is to be a Buddha, to awaken within the Maya of Samsara, to awaken within the Matrix per se, because this consciousness that we create physical reality 
from our consciousness, from nirvana, uh, we create this and when we change it, we change the reality. Um, so when you awaken within the reality, then you start seeing uh, the kind of like the warps in and out, the, the glitches. You start seeing more of yeah. kind of the cold behind the illusion, okay? Right. Um, you don't want to say that all the time, but sometimes it bleeds through because yeah. uh, you want to kind of come back into it. But like, you know, this is the, we have this debate, like what, where are we really? Are, I mean, some, some people say we're in the spiritual emptiness of Nirvana projecting out into samsara. Some people say, would say you're in samsara, you're in, you're, you're in the world, you're living your lives. Um, and it's, it's about getting back to Nirvana or getting back to heaven or whatever you want to call it. Some people would say we're in a simulation. We must be plugged into the matrix. So what do you think we are? Well, you know, I, I think we're all of those things. <laughs> and it just and depends on the perspective that you were yeah, sitting in at the time. It's like the, uh, you know, the old story of the blind man, three blind men and the elephant, right? Where one says it's like a tree trunk because he's feeling the, the legs of the elephant. Another says it's like a house because it's so big. He's feeling, and then another says like a snake because it's the trunk, right? And I feel that basically most of our modern religions, you know, were founded by people who got to see glimpse outside of the simulation outside of samsara and mm -hmm. see what was there and then is coming back in to tell us what's going on so my personal you know i tend to go towards this idea that we are the players people always say mm -hmm. what's outside the simulation and i say well it's us <laughs> right we decided to play this game and we decided to you know have these particular uh challenges and you know sometimes life is very challenging right uh, and, you know, we have financial problems, we have health problems, uh, and, you know, these are, these can be, you know, very uh, uh, you know, negative experiences, right? And, and, but we chose to have those experiences for whatever reason. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I think that gives us a degree of comfort when, when things don't go so well for us, because that, that happens. Right. Um, and it lets us know that, well, we, you know, that is the challenge that, that perhaps we've chosen for ourselves. Um, and, and I like to compare us to like Dungeons and Dragons characters, right? If you've ever played Dungeons and Dragons, you have a character sheet and it says, you know, the strength and agility and, and, you know, charisma and mm -hmm. intelligence. And, you know, we're all kind of born with these skill sets. That's different. They're not they, in D&D, &D, you do it with a dice, but with us, it's not necessarily random. It's based upon the storyline. Mm -hmm. So we choose a storyline of the types of things that we might want to do. And turns out, you know, manifesting things is pretty easy when it fits our storyline and not so easy when it doesn't fit our storyline. Like, I might want to be a basketball player, mm -hmm. but that wasn't the storyline that I chose in this life in order mm -hmm. to be physical. And not just the physical being tall, but also I'm not the kind of person who will sit there and just practice and practice and practice. I'm yeah. physical. I'll do that with writing and reading and other things. And so I think we have our own, own personalities. But I think it's it's us and that we get some say in in in, in what we've created. And that yeah. we may all be seeing a slightly different version. I feel like we're all in the same simulation, but it's possible that we are rendering different things. Just like oh. if you and I are in the same room in a field in World of Warcraft or another game, I could see something, uh, you could see something because you're more advanced, you're level 30, and you'd see like this UFO or something. And I would, oh, yeah. I would be sitting there with you and say, there's nothing there, right? And that happens sometimes, right? <laughs> there's nothing there because my I'm not at that level of a character yet to be able to see that.
you know, let's talk, let's talk the levels really quick. So, um, let's talk about the multiverse. So there's a lot of conversation about parallel realities, the multiverse, whether it's true, is not true. Uh, listen, here's a simple, here's a simple exercise. Everybody go grab a Bible, go to look at the, the verse that talks about the lion, the lamb, the right. lion should lay, lay down the lamb. You heard about it. You watch movies about it. You read stories, et cetera, et cetera. It never was that it's always been the wolf lays down with the lamb. It's the wolf and the lamb. It was never the lion and the lamb. I have a 1583 Geneva Bible in Latin and yeah. English, and it's always been the wolf and the lamb. So where did everybody get this lion and the lamb? And yes, I do remember the lion and the lamb. So, um, so, and there's so many of these, what they call pop culture Mandela effects in Buddhism, we call them parallel realities, because in Buddhism, it's all about your level of consciousness, which is your energy field, or what you would call leveling up yourself in the game. So um, the more awakened you are, the higher in resonance you are, um, and the more levels and things that you have to your to, as a resource within the game. So you have more six senses, you have more know-how, where to go, et cetera, et cetera. So um, what is your perspective on this concept of Mandela effects that everybody's experiencing? Because yeah. everybody has a different yeah. experience. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my latest book was called The Simulated Multiverse. And it's all about the intersection of the Mandela effect with quantum physics uh, and with multiple timelines. And, you know, the way that I see it, and, and there are some very compelling Mandela effects out there, particularly the scriptural ones, right? Mm -hmm. Some of them are small, like, oh, it was Fruit Loops with two O's versus F-R-U-I-T. Uh, but I like to say when there is something of proximity to you, you tend to pay attention mm -hmm. and you tend to know, like for the evangelical Christians, you know, they know their Bible, right? And in uh, Islam tradition, you know, they, they memorize the Quran. Mm -hmm. and word for word. And I always thought this was kind of silly. As a kid, I thought, well, why memorize it word for word? Well, there's a Sufi imam who says that this is related to these biblical changes. Because he said that the reason we're required to memorize the Quran word for word is that there are entities that can actually, that don't live in time the way that we do. We live mm -hmm. in linear time, right? And they're called jinns or genies, we say, in, in, in like Aladdin, right? But the jinns live outside of time, and they are allowed to manipulate objects, and they can go back in time and change something. And mm -hmm. then everything changes based on that. But we don't necessarily, you know, uh, the only thing they're not allowed to change is our memory, right? And so that was why the Quran is memorized word for word. And so, you know, you can get into this, this idea of parallel timelines. I like to describe it as, Getting back to what I said earlier for the simulation, why do we run simulations? Well, you want to run a simulation to see what will happen. Well, there's no way to do that unless you 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 run it multiple times, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you have to run the model multiple times. You have to change. So, what you experience deja vu? Like, oh, I must have failed the last time. Exactly. <laughs> Doing it again. You experience like you know this is very familiar because what can happen in a video game, right, is you can stop the game. You can reset it <laughs> and you can run it again. And so, you know, I became intrigued with this because of the writings of uh, Philip K. Dick, you know, the mm -hmm. science fiction writer mm -hmm. who wrote I love Blade him. Runner and also The Man in the High Castle. I don't know if you've seen mm -hmm. that show or read the book. That is about an alternate timeline where Germany and Japan won World War II. Well, course, see, now he says it's real. He says that was right. what his life it, experience. He went to the grave saying, I 
experience this reality, have memory of this reality. Exactly. So and somehow I woke up in this parallel reality. He believed that was already run. So he came up with this idea of people who were living outside of time and looking at the different timelines as kind of suits in a closet. Mm-hmm. Because I can put on this suit and try it. But he also was one of the first to say, in 1977, he said, we are living in a computer program reality. And the only clue we have to it is when some variable has changed, some mm-hmm. alteration occurs in our reality. And and then what he said next is interesting because he said, well, um, we would have the overwhelming sense that we were reliving the same experience again, deja vu, but slightly different. And he, he chalked that up to changes in variables. And that's what we do in computers, right? Mm-hmm. We, we change a variable, we rerun it. And you say, okay, now let's go back and change that variable. Let's rerun it again. And what if you had made different choices? Uh, and, you know, there's... There's some support for this idea in different circles that, you know, we we may just be on an alternate timeline. Like he believed uh, also that JFK, uh, you know, the assassination of JFK was prevented uh, in Dallas. But then he got assassinated in Orlando in that timeline. And then if they prevented in Orlando, something else bad happened like a nuclear war. And so mm. we run simulations to see what is the likely outcome, but also what is the most optimal outcome. It says, well, this didn't work, so let's go back and change something else. And it's very possible that we are in one of those timelines right now. We think history is fixed, but this is where it intersects with quantum mechanics. Uh, it turns wow. out in quantum mechanics, you know, not only is the cat not alive or dead, we don't know, and the cat can do different things in the future, but turns out there's two versions of the cat in the past. <laughs> there was one that came in from the kitchen and one that came into the box from the living room. Well, those are two different pasts. And we're used to thinking that the past is fixed, but in quantum mechanics, it's almost like every time you make a choice, you are choosing a particular path. And that there's something called yeah. the cosmic delayed choice experiment. And I can talk about it or not, depending on if we have time. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. I mean, this goes into the concept of um, there's the in, in Buddhism, there's the concept of oneness with in yourself. Like obviously you are you and I am I. And then there is the concept of oneness in the multiple versions of you in the multiverse. Right. Now, this is in art history, in Hindu artwork and in Buddhist artwork. I've written two books about this called Buddhist Mandalas. And you can go to any temples in Asia and you will see the same artwork where you have the, uh, what they would, you can call them ascended masters. You can call them bodhisattvas. They, were, they are human. Um, and they've gotten to a level in their consciousness and their energy field that they are existing consciously in multiple realities at the same time. And so in the statues on the artwork, it's not like Kuan Yin has 10,000 arms and 10,000 heads or Vishnu has, you know, thousands of arms and heads coming out of one body. It's a 3D version representation of the multiverse, the multidimensional oh, existence of that person. Yeah. That is that no, it's true. That is ah. the uh, that is the philosophy in Buddhism and ancient Vedic Hinduism. Is it's in the artwork, in folklore, not folk tale. Folklore, folklore is the telling of history of a story of how to do x x x x from one generation to another. It becomes cultural, so you learn it. Like the Hawaiians have a very good history of keeping the history as folklore um, and passing on folklore. Folklore is tribal knowledge. 
okay? So because there are no institutions in these tribes. So their tribe, their tribal knowledge of passing down knowledge and wisdom from one generation to another. And then as the generation becomes illiterate and there is not as many people who are of that, that, that knowledge level, they put it in artwork. The history and the most important knowledge they want people to know is in the artwork that they put in their most valuable places, like the um, the uh, the royal kingdom empire places in temples. These are the most valuable places because these are where people would congregate and come and do recreation. That's where they put the art history. Art history has the knowledge, and the knowledge is that. When you get to the higher level of your personal frequency, you exist in parallel realities at the same time, giving grace and love to everybody, regardless of what level they're at, because that's who you are. And you're basically just traveling the multiverse. You're mm. all connected. So all versions of you are connected. And uh, when one levels, they all level up. That's basically mm. it. And we have dominion over reality because reality is the physical creation of our energy field, of our consciousness. Because we're projecting out the reality, just like Source or God or Allah projected us out to experience. So that's a very sh short understanding of this concept of um, our oneness to our multiple selves and also to everyone else. Because everyone else is connected and also to Source. But it depends on where you are in, in the game, where you are in your sojourn and how you in, in, in how you see it at that level. But the more higher up you go, that's kind of that's kind of the, the, the 10,000 foot view of going downwards to what everybody else is experiencing. So in your experience, in terms of these different realms, because we, we talked about multiplicity and multiverse. Now let's talk about realms because they. You know, multiplicity and multiverse is horizontal. And now we're going to go vertical. Okay, up and down. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, like the, they say this in, um, in yin yang, for example, and in Buddhism, that there's realms up and there's realms down. It's, different, it's separated by frequencies. And mm -hmm. there's, there's duality in all of them because you have to have a mirror, you know, like a battery, a positive, negative. It can't exist without the other. So mm -hmm. the higher up, in realms you go, there's a little bit of negative. The lower down in realms you go, there's a little bit of positive. It's like the yin-yang symbol. Okay? So um, so you can't get away from this duality because this duality is part of samsara. That's what makes and creates physical or any kind of reality is that dual nature, that reflection. Um, otherwise, you'd be in nirvana, the spiritual emptiness of nothing. Okay? So what is your thoughts about dimension? and the beings in different dimensions. Yeah, well, you know, that's an interesting area because uh, there are in different religious traditions, but also, uh, you know, within scientific realms, we're starting to talk about potentially different dimensions that are out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, one area where I've spent a little bit of time investigating is the whole UFO phenomenon. Like, who, where do these come from? Mm. Are they aliens, you know, from other planets um uh and that's one of the hypotheses that's out there is that they call it the extraterrestrial hypothesis but mm -hmm. of course that is fits in with one materialized uh, material view of the world mm -hmm. right just like 100 years ago 
we thought all aliens would be from Mars because we knew there were other planets, but we didn't know there were other planets outside the solar system. Now we know there are other planets outside the solar system. So we assume that's where any other beings might come from. But if you look at UFOs, sometimes they fade in and out. Mm-hmm. Right? A lot like yeah. if you look at the, the, the stories of UFOs that people have yeah, told yeah. in sightings. And it's almost as if in a video game, you render an object. And when you're rendering it, just like when you were talking about maybe wanting to put your hand in that thing, you didn't want it to get caught, right? Oh, yeah, the towel rack. <laughs> the towel rack, yes. While you're rendering in a video game, you can walk through the walls, right? But then once the walls become solid, they're really there from, from your physical perspective. Yeah. Um, and so one theory is that these the aliens are actually from another dimension, right? Another place. Just like we talked about the jinn earlier mm-hmm. in Islam. They live within this reality but not really because we can't see that and it's almost like they're in another dimension that is kind of uh, different than a multiverse parallel reality this is like another realm of existence and so the way that i think of it is each of these is its own version of a simulation yeah and and so you can have multiple versions of simulations you can have simulations within simulations and those were set up for these other beings and sometimes when we leave one you know, people say, well, where do you go? You know, are you with God? Well, maybe, maybe we're just in a, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time with people who, who've done, who've had near death experiences and they describe different types of things, but they always describe a very nice, pleasant scene where they ended up and with the being of light. And some people mm-hmm. say it's God, some people say it's Jesus, some people say it's an angel, some people just say it's a being of light. Mm-hmm. But usually there's a new thing created, which is like another dimension. Yeah. Uh, which is a garden or a city. Uh, but even that turns out is not ultimate reality. So you you get these like that's for your soul to be able to recover from where you mm-hmm. just were and maybe learn across different lifetimes in this. But maybe that one is also you go up and down once or twice as opposed to 50 or 100,000 times down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the thing about, I want to I wanted to touch on healing because, you know, mm-hmm. there is I mean. Some people say that these changes in our physical reality, Mandela effects is the term used for shifting between parallel realities. Some people say it's the jinn. Mm-hmm. Some people say it's the devil. Some people say it's lower dimension of beings. Some people say it's, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, aliens, bad aliens that are, that are stuck on controlling humanity, whatever the, whatever the, 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 the concept is. But, there's also another phenomenon happening in real life. And I have clients all over the world through my quantum hypnosis that come in specifically because I talk about parallel reality and shifting mm. parallel realities in my book interviews um, and, and in these interviews. But people will do their spiritual work. They'll raise their consciousness. Um, they will heal certain things like certain quests in the past. Right. All right. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, They'll carry on with the life and things will change in their realities, whereas the, the, the dog next door is a different, has spots all of a sudden. Or um, there's a new tree in their neighborhood that was never there in the first place. And it's not like a new tree that's a small tree. It's an ancient tree. Or, you know, they will have their own personal Mandela effects in their life. And this is completely separate from commercials. And the only thing that they could attribute to was they raised consciousness. And they healed something, a, a, a dense issue that kept down their frequency. So um, what does the video game and the Muslim perspective have regarding working on these two areas that could change your physical reality? Because that's exactly what's happening to many people. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I like to view it more as in terms of the Mandela effect as uh, a case of different timelines. Mm. And so, and, you know, some people say the past is still there, right? Mm -hmm. And if the past still exists and it's more like a river as opposed to, you know, something that goes forward in time, then you can theoretically change something there and that will change something here. And so, you know, it's almost like when, when you get healed, you, you, you change the, the chain. You think of like a chain of like the chain of causation in Buddhism, but you think of it more as a chain of causation between different events Mm -hmm. that happened from the point of time that a certain karmic thing was created. Yeah. you are now on a slightly different path. And so in, in one yep. of my books, I have this thing called the multiverse graph, which basically says, think of every choice you could ever make, right? Or And, and if it splits off into different choices, you've got a giant grid of lots of nodes. Yeah. And you're sitting here, and this is the path you took to get here. But turns out in a grid, right, I could also go this way and I could still get to the same spot. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost as if you switched you know, in, in computer science, we, we call it context switching. Yeah, right? yeah. Like I'm talking to you on Zoom right now. If I were to minimize the Zoom window and bring up World, well, uh, Microsoft Word, I would be switching the context of the microprocessor so that Word is mm-hmm. in the foreground, right? But it, where is Word now? It, well, it's just sitting there in the background. It's just information that gets checked in on every now and then. And so this is what, you know, Philip K. Dick called uh, that uh, this is the most actualized of many different realities. This mm-hmm. just happens to be the most actualized one currently. But if I pause this one and I go change something in the past, I can end up in another one. And so it's almost like the computer is loading that up. And now I'm mm-hmm. that aspect of it. So so I view it more in computer science terms, I think, uh, where the healing of the thing from the past, it, it's, a, it, it's a sense of the source, the cause and effect, right? It's yeah, yeah. cause and effect over many, many steps, not just one or two steps. But it, the butterfly brings, effect applies, you know? Right, right. Because that, that, that brings me to the concept, like, even when you play video games, and let's say there's a quest that you didn't do, but then you decide at some point, I'm going to go back and now that I have a couple other quests and I have new skills and new insight I'm, yeah. and wisdom, I'm going to go back and finish that old quest that I never picked up, and I'm going to do that. Right. And then you work on that quest, you overcome that quest, and now all of a sudden it shoots you, like, light years ahead into a whole nother quest that would have taken you many more quests to get to that point it almost like it 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 jumped between different uh in the future almost or into a more progressive yeah, like you different know. points in the future yeah and, and that's why that in buddhism yeah. yeah and that's yeah. what happened in buddhism they, they they talk about there's really no time because all we're doing is jumping between experience to experience and so if you see yourself in linear time you could be um short changing yourself in terms of what your sojourn could possibly be you could possibly have an even much more grand experience yeah. by just, you know, working on something that's holding you back. And then you just like quantum leap to a whole different experience mm-hmm. with a whole different consciousness. And all of a sudden, like things that were hard for you to do are now easy to do all of a sudden because mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. completely level yourself up. Um, you know, I love this conversation. I love where it's going. I could talk to you for hours. but. Everybody, you, he has a wonderful book. So you have a new book coming out. So let's let's talk about some of the books where people can like dive further into um, yeah. simulation theory and all the stuff that you offer. Yeah. So my website is zenentrepreneur.com. 
And there they can find links to all my books and many of my articles uh, and my blog. Um, and I have a podcast on simulation theory that I that I did last year. I, ha- I was going to pick it back up, but I haven't. But you can find all those links on my website. Uh, and you know the, the main book on simulation theory is called The Simulation Hypothesis. The recent one is called The Simulated Multiverse, which delves into this idea we're talking about. Um, yeah, so those are – and then I have a new book coming out uh later uh in just a couple of months it's being released in india first uh by harper collins and then it'll be released here in the u.s as well which is called which is about yogananda uh and his book autobiography of a yogi and the new book is called wisdom of a yogi lessons for modern seekers from yogananda's autobiography and just in the same way that he had to adapt some of these ancient teachings for his audience in the 1920s using the modern technology metaphors uh, this book is trying to update those metaphors using, uh, you know, today's technology and the way we think about the world today, which is different than it was a hundred years ago. Uh, yeah. So that'll be coming out soon as well. Well, you know, um, I always try to leave everybody with, with a positive last message from all my guests. So the world can seem kind of dreary and dim and really, really confusing and chaotic, depending on the perspective that you're coming into. Um, and which what level of consciousness you're coming into. So like a game player coming into at an entry level versus a skill level. But um, regardless of whatever level of entry you are experiencing this reality, is there a last message that you want to leave people so that they can level themselves up to much more positive experiences in the fifth dimension, Earth? Sure. I mean, I would just say uh, that Whatever challenges you're facing, you know, these are quests that you have chosen for yourself uh, and you'll get through it. And there may be different versions of you that have already gone through these quests. <laughs> and for whatever reason, it may have tried out different things and it's decided to put you here. Uh, it being perhaps your higher self or your soul or, or uh, someone who has a higher perspective of all the paths through life. So, you know, don't stress out so much, even if things look bad. There may be a good reason for you to be in this particular line uh, within the the gameplay of the world. I love that. Well, Dr. Rizwan Verk, thank you for offering your lifetime of work in translating these metaphysic concepts and how our consciousness creates the the matrix into video games and discussing these insights we can garner from these different perspectives. So, um, for more information, you can actually go and take a course because you're teaching at the University of Arizona. Yeah, you're Arizona, State, there. Arizona State University. I'm uh, teaching a course on simulation theory, which is the first course in, uh, I think, an accredited university, really, that's entirely dedicated to this subject. It's called Simulation Theories, Technology, Sci-Fi, Religion, and Philosophy. I think the I think it's going to be coming the prerequisites for programmers is a lot of these spiritual <laughs> concepts because they apply into the making of these games. So for more information, um, go to his website, which is zenentrepreneur.com. It's in the show description. And thank you kindly to our listeners for listening to another enlightening conversation. Until next time, blessings. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, 
please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.